0: Well, like that old saying goes, if it don't light your fire, your wood's wet. What a night for what a Savior. The message has been preached. You know, I'll just maybe try to tie up a few loose ends here. We all know the Christmas story. But I never get tired of hearing it. I want you to know the foundations that we build Christianity upon or the virgin birth the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ earthly father was not his father Mary conceived of the holy ghost and we don't need to trivialize or humanize or over analyze What we need to do is embrace and accept the facts that Jesus is God in the flesh. Let me go somewhere before I go where I ain't supposed to. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. But Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary, tells her what's going to happen. She's blessed among women elizabeth conceives pregnant with john the baptist he's born we get over to luke chapter 2 and i'm going to be reading from the old trusty king james version tonight i love the king james i love using i love the word of god period but I, i i i use the king james version most of the time and i had somebody ask me one time said with all the Bible translations that are out there, why do you use that King James? And I said, well, do you want the truth? (laughs) Yeah. I said, it's the only one I got that's got large print. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Kind of sounds like present day, don't it? And this taxing was first made by Serenius, uh, was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, uh, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for him them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. peace, goodwill toward men and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger and when they had seen it they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Several things here that we all know to be part of the Christmas story and I'm going to just pick out a few of them to talk to you about that is really special to me we find in verse 12 where they had wrapped him in swaddling cloth and it's been said by many me being one of them that uh, swaddling cloth was often used to wrap the dead and it was but there was a linen cloth that they often used but I found uh, an article to which I'm going to quote from by Rabbi um, Jason Sobel that shed some light on this swaddling cloth that I just sit there and went, wow. then I said, Duke, come here. Skeeter, come here. And I began to read this to them. And I want you to listen. Uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel in December of 17, last year, delivered a fascinating take on the significance of baby Jesus being placed in swaddling cloths after his birth in the nativity story. One that directly ties into the angelic announcement that was made to the shepherds. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said to them, this will be a sign to you. You'll see a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth. Noting that he believes these shepherds weren't ordinary, everyday shepherds. Now, here's a Jewish scholar. and He says, when the angels... Uh, I'm sorry. In fact, he said that they were raising lambs. These shepherds were raising lambs that were to be offered as sacrifices in the temple, noting that these lambs needed to be without blemish to meet scriptural account. So, these so called Levitical shepherds could wrap their lambs in swaddling cloths to protect them. This is, of course, noteworthy as it shows that the swaddling would have been an important connection point for these shepherds. What did they see at the arrival of the site of Jesus' birth? said a baby born in the same place in the Passover or the stable that their lambs were. Swaddled like a Passover lamb. Pointing to the fact that the Messiah was the Lamb of God. Whew. Who would take over the sins of the world. We know the scripture says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. There was a significant relevance of this swaddling cloth. That they would find the baby wrapped in them to validate what the angels were saying to them. I want you to know that it's not the gift of under the tree that's important but it's the gift that hung upon a tree that's important. The one that gives us the gift of life. I want you to know that scripture is very clear while the wherever that being is, somebody please turn it off. While the Christmas story is cherished and loved by all of us we want to realize the fact that Scripture says that for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus left deity, put on the form of humanity, came to this earth, was tempted and tried in all ways as you and I, yet without sin, so that his sinless blood could atone sinful man back to holy God as he died on a cross and shed that blood. To fulfill law where there it says, where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And I want you to know that the blood, that's what we sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to understand religion won't do it, denomination won't do it. Form and nothing else will do it. Only one thing cleanses our sins, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. We're saved one way. By grace, through faith, in Jesus. And we need to not remember that. We, need, we don't need to be remiss in this Christmas season to recognize and to embrace the importance of the Christmas story. Then we see in verse 14, the second point I'd like to make. It says, we're on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This speaks of the salvation, the healing, provisions, peace, joy, all of the things that money can't buy, all of the things that religion can't do, all of the things that wood, hay, and stubble can't feel, all of the things that stuff will disappoint you on. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I, but my peace I give to you. The kind of peace that we see in the New Testament laying in the bow of a ship when there's a tremendous storm going on and they're taking on water to the point that the disciples go to him and wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he just says, Peace. Be still. I want you to realize that when you have Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, dwelling inside of you, when you are walking in the Spirit, being fed, led by the Spirit, walking in obedience to the Word of God, no matter what life brings, no matter what the devil sins, no matter what circumstances try to dictate, I want you to understand, then... Are you made strong? And then can you stand in the peace of God knowing that when the smoke clears and the dust settles and the, the war cease, you win. You're still standing. I'm glad at a hundred she can still say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Then we see in verse 17 when these disciples, when they had seen it, they wanted to go see what had been proclaimed by this angel. They wanted to see it for themselves, I want you to understand you're given that invitation as well. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to understand the word is very clear. It says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. said, whosoever will, come. Whosoever will, come. I, I'm, I'm appalled at, well, I'll get myself in trouble if I go there. I'm appalled at some Calvinists and some people that have the belief that God has predestined who's going to be saved and who isn't. Why didn't he give us a choice? Why didn't he say, I said out there, you choose. I want you to understand something. God is omnipotent. He knows everything. Even before it happens, he knows Now, he looked down through the corridors of time and he knew who would and who would not embrace and receive that gift of life. The work of Calvary. He knew who would, but he did not predestine you to go to hell. I want you to understand that. He's predestined one thing according to Romans. For him, those that he did foreknow. Don't miss this. To them, He also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus. He's destined that when you come to know Jesus, that we begin to look like him he wants us to begin to take on his personality his traits begin to speak his language begin to understand and to have all the fruits of the spirit evident through our lives the love the joy the gentleness the meekness the goodness the patience Whoa, we don't like to talk about patience do we the temperance the long suffering but i want you to understand something jesus was fully god but fully man we see that evident numerous times but the most visible in the garden when he's saying, Lord, I really don't want to go to the cross. I really don't want to do this. If there's any other way, can't we do that? Then he says, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And he, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not an easy thing for him to do. Because you see, though he's fully God, he's fully man. He hurt like we hurt. He knows what thirst was. He knows what hunger was. He knew what pain was. That's why he's one that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he himself has experienced every emotion, every pain, every shortcoming that we've all experienced. He's experienced it. That's why when we come to him to talk to him about our circumstance and situation, he knows firsthand. He understands. And he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Everything, that the, the very worst that you've ever felt is minuscule compared to what he felt when he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. Every sin that you committed, that I've committed, that we've all committed, he took that upon himself and bore it for the victory that was coming Easter Sunday morning. He was going to eradicate the law of sin and death. He was going to give us an opportunity to say, Jesus, I believe you to be the Son of God that came because you loved me and died to save me and rose to empower me, to give me life with purpose and meaning. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to change me, to help me, to direct me. To empower me. To give me things money can't buy. Such as peace and love and joy. It's just that simple folks. God is no respecter of person. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your economic background. Doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is what are you going to do. What matters is are you going to embrace the word of God. Are you going to walk out the word of God. Are you going to be a doer of the word. Or are you going to be a hearer only. I see in the, in the New Testament where we, you remember the story of the wise and foolish men? They both heard the Word of God. It says, there's a wise man that heard the Word of God, did it. Storms of life came, the winds blew, the rains descended, and his house didn't fall because it was founded on the Word of God. Then there was a foolish man. He heard the Word of God and didn't do it. The storms of life came, the winds blew, the rains fell, and his house fell, and great was the fall of the house. They both heard the word, the same word. One stood, one fell. What's the difference? One was obedient to the word of God, the other one was disobedience. We've got to check to see, am I doing what I know to do? I've shared this story not long ago. A good friend of mine over here in East Texas in Carthage, he called me one morning not long after he started his walk with the Lord. And he said, preacher man, I ain't reading that Bible no more. I said, really? Why not? He said, "Uh, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I've done figured out. The more I know, the more he expects of me. (laughs) And there's some truth to that. But he also empowers you to be able to walk it out and to do it. Let me set the record straight on something right now. I was talking to a man in my office today about just things and stuff and life. We all fall into this religious mindset if we're not careful. In that, I love picking on Anne. That I expect Anne to live up to my standards of my convictions and what I think is right and what I think is wrong. And we become so guilty of that in the church that what happens is we become judges of people. I want to refer you to probably my, one of my very favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus is talking to Peter. And he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? He said, Well, some say. The Baptists say this, the Pentecostals say that, the Presbyterians say that. In other words, some say you're Jonas or Elias or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? See, I want you to understand something. Who you say that he is, meaning from your heart and believe he is, has everything to do with who he is in your life. But he said, who do you say that I am, Peter? And he says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said... Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hadn't taught you to believe this way. Now there's nothing wrong with good teaching. Don't go out of here and say I'm against that because I'm not. But he says, but flesh and blood hadn't taught you to believe this. But my spirit hath revealed it unto you. And upon this rock I will build my church. What rock is he talking about? Not Peter, who's been called the rock. But he's talking about the rock of revelation. The rock of... Allowing the Holy Spirit who is the teacher to lead, God and direct us into all truths and teach us all things. It's when I am so seeking God and spending time in his presence and the Holy Spirit is revealing things to me from his word as I read. When that light comes on and it's illuminated and God begins to form in me the convictions of rights and wrongs and what to do and what not to do. Then he'll also empower me to do or not do whatever the case is. I'll give you a classic story. I shared this story today with this gentleman I was talking to. I had led a man to the Lord. He actually won the Southeastern Circuit in PRCA. And a month or so after he got saved, he was going down the road and from one rodeo going to another one, trying to make two in one night. And he reached over and he cut the radio off. And he said, DA, I want to get your opinion on something. I said, "Well, what?" He said, "Is it wrong for me to have a beer?" And I said, "Well, first of all, my opinion don't matter. It's what God's saying to you." I said, "If the Lord is convicting you about stopping drinking, then you need to stop. If He's not," Pop the top of them and take another pull. I turned the radio back on. About 30 seconds down the road, he cut the radio off. He said, well, I swear I believe he's telling me I need to quit drinking. I said, well, this much I can tell you. If he's telling you to quit and you're willing to take that step, he will empower you to be able to quit. And that's what I'm telling you in this place tonight. I don't want to give you a list of do's and don'ts. What I do want to give you is a charge and an admonition to seek the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit as you get into the presence of God to speak into your life and to brand into your conscience right and wrong. Learn to hear the voice of the Lord, to start doing or stop doing whatever the case is because you see, it's not man's expectations and standards that I need to be concerned about. It's God's. I, I, I need to live so that I can be pleasing unto the Lord because I want to stand before him one day and hear him say, Well done good and faithful servant. So, when they had seen, notice this, they went out and made it known. When you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior, when He's done a work in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your business, you have a duty and a privilege to make it known. To tell others because you see, So oftentimes there are people that are wearing a big smile. But they're struggling with similar or maybe even the very same problem that you were just battling. And they need need to hear a word that there's hope for me. Because they were able to make it and change and overcome and to be victorious. And and maybe it's just that one little word of encouragement that you can give that will give them that boost, that bump to get down the road. See, one thing you need to understand. If we go to the court of law, they're not interested in hearsay evidence. They're not interested in second and third hand information. They want eyewitness accounts with their hand on the Bible to say, I I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Where's Glenda? Give me the Bible. (laughs) And the same thing in our Christian walk. People are not interested in you talking about your grandma. They want to know what your relationship is with God. What's he done in your life? I love the blind man. The man born blind, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. They're mad about that. They're going to bring him in there. And they're going to try to use his testimony to, to get after Jesus. And I'm closing. But they said, Jesus healed him and they said, by what power or what authority do you see? I love it. This man has a profound statement. He says, I don't know. But there's one thing I do know. I once was blind. But now I see. And you see... People aren't interested in how many degrees I have or how much money I make. They want me. They want to be able to, for you to tell or for me to tell. I once was, but now am because of this living Christ that was born at Christmas time, that conquered death, hell, and the grave, and He's alive today and forevermore. We have a responsibility to tell them.